This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. We played Simon Says, and Simon Says is an easy game, is it not? Is it easy? When Simon's, it's not easy. So, is it rough? Is, is Simon Says tough for anybody? Is one person says tough? Anybody? One person. It's, it's, it's simple, right? Can anybody say it's tough? Anybody. Nobody. Okay, I don't want to force anybody. But Simon says it's simple because as soon as Simon says it, then you should respond. All you got to do is listen for what? Simon says and you do it. Today, we're going to play another game. Jesus said. And when Jesus says to do something, our response should be what? As you wish. Anybody watch Princess Bride? I'm, I'm running around today, yo. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's Mother's Day. Anybody watch Princess Bride? And, and the Dread Pride Roberts came to the, the, the princess, and, and they were in the scene on the top, and, and she remembered her love was Wesley. Now, she had been kidnapped by the Dread Pride Roberts. She didn't know that this actual pirate was her first love. And nevertheless, she was about to get married. He came back and kidnapped her because he was going to reveal himself to be her, you know, her, her love. And she kicked him down the mountain because he was kind of bragging how he supposedly killed her lover, which he was really her lover. You got to watch the movie. It's really complicated. But nevertheless, at this part, he kicked her. She kicked him. She kicked him down the mountain. And he's rolling. And he says, as you wish. And he, she remembered, oh, my lovely Wesley. And she fell down the mountain. She's falling with it, right? That was the key in it because that's how he always responded to his love. He was always saying, as you wish. He loved her. And because he loved her so much, his response was, whatever desire you have, if it's in my power, I'll do it. As you wish. Wouldn't you want a spouse like that? Preach, preacher. Wouldn't you want kids like that? Preach, pastor. (laughs) Wouldn't you want to know somebody's like, oh, I am at your beck and call. That's what God is really asking for of us. He wants to hear as you wish. Jesus Christ has a command. A lot of people wrestle around with, what's my purpose? What's my calling? Whether you know that specifically or not, the specificity isn't the issue. The issue is, are you obeying what he clearly said? And what he clearly said was this. Go make disciples. Got a quote here from a guy named... C.T. Studd. He was a cricket player turned evangelist and sold everything he had to go preach the gospel. He went to Africa and he began to preach the gospel wherever he could. He even died eventually preaching the gospel after he had traveled to almost every continent preaching about Jesus Christ. This is a quote from him. He says, too long have we been waiting for one another to begin meaning do the work of the ministry. The time of waiting is past. The hour of God has struck. War is declared in God's holy name. Let us arise and build. The God of heaven, he will fight for us and we for him. We will not build on the sand, but on the bedrock of the saints of Christ and the gates and minions of hell shall not prevail against us. This is a man who at that time would be considered 
a professional football player and gave up his wealth and riches to obey the Great Commission. He was commissioned by God to save souls, to make disciples. He goes on to say, such men as we fear, such, excuse me, should such men as we fear, before the world I, before the sleepy, lukewarm, faithless, namby-pamby, not my words, his, Christian world, we will dare to trust our God. We will venture our all for him. We will live and we will die for him. We will do it with his joy unspeakable, singing aloud in our hearts. We will a thousand times sooner die trusting only our God than live trusting in man. And when we come to this position, the battle is already won. And the end of the glorious campaign in sight, we will have the real holiness of God and not the sickly stuff of talk and dainty words and pretty thoughts, but we will have a masculine holiness of daring faith and works for Jesus Christ. And what his desire was to say, fight. Now, if you play football, there's always this uh, speech you have either at the beginning of the game or at halftime if you're losing, right? It's the, it's the speech to get you fired up. He was an athlete, so he tried to bring back, and he, it was a term called masculine Christianity. So he tried to say, this is a fight. I'm trying to be like Leonidas right now. Tonight, right? I can't do it. But he, he tried to say, let's fight. We are fighting. Don't give up. Beat your man. Win. But his goal was to communicate this. This is worth everything you have. He's trying to say, this is your as you wish moment. In the movie Matrix, I like with Neo, another pop culture reference, Neo was talking to the, the Oracle, and they were having a conversation on the bench right before he got in that big fight that lasted about half an hour with Agent Smith. Remember all the Agent Smiths came in, like a 10,000 of them, and he beat them all up? Nevertheless, before that fight started, Neo, in a sense, is talking with the Oracle, and, and she is having a conversation about choice. And he can't figure out the choice he has to make to save his wife, Trinity, or to go to Zion and save the rest of the people. Now, he had already made the choice. The oracle was trying to tell him, you already made the choice. He's like, but what's going on? He said, this life is your understanding of why you made that choice. If you think about eternity, just the very concept of eternity is confounding because eternity has no end or beginning. It's, it's, it's forever. And right now, truthfully, you are in eternity. Eternity didn't start when you were born. It, it's forever. It's a concept so hard for us to talk about or think of. We don't even think about it. This life is the why we ended up where we are. Did you choose Jesus Christ or did you reject him? Did you obey Jesus Christ or did you do it your own way? This life is your choice. There is one phrase that lies at the heart of your story. It's, it's a kind of prayer. In fact, it's the greatest prayer that Jesus himself ever prayed. And he's talking about whenever Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that? When he's sweating great drops of blood. Hemohydrosis. His capillaries were bursting inside his sweat glands, and he was under so much stress, his body could not even take it. 
Because for the first time in all eternity, the Father and the Son would be separated. I guarantee you Jesus could take the punishment, the torture, but that's what he could not take. He did not want to be separated from the Father. And he prayed, he beseeched God. The scripture says in King James, three times, God, take this cup away. And he got nothing. And then the soldiers came and he, he says this, not my will, but your will be done. If we were ever to pray it truly and continually, it is in a real sense the only prayer you and I will ever need. And what's that prayer? As you wish. As you wish, God. How much is he worth? At what point is it that you'll say, God, I'll serve you, but up to this point, I'm not going to cross this line. Where is that line? At what point do you say, God, I can't do, you can't ask that of me. I, I won't go that far. Last quote. David Livingstone said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, then how can a commission by a heavenly king, by God, be considered a sacrifice? You know, there will be a time when the Bible says everybody will be resurrected. Do you know that? The good and bad. Everyone's going to be resurrected. Everyone's going to live forever. That's, that's, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of where you live. And there's going to be a moment where we all get to bow our knee at Jesus' feet. Everybody. And what an honor that will be just to be in his presence. To be in the presence of God. Now, you may, and you may like, President Obama, he'd be like, oh, I got to shake Obama's hand. Woohoo! He'd be like, if I just got to meet him, I would never wash my hands. Some of you said, oh, I love President Trump. If I could meet him, oh, I could shake his hand. Woohoo! I'll never, it doesn't matter who these guys are. Imagine the honor it would be to meet Jesus. Imagine how smelly your hand would be for all eternity because you would not wash it. <laughs> Imagine with me. Let's jump into scriptures. If you can't open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 18. We're running toward the end of this sermon series. We've been on it almost a year. It's been the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, one of the most important things you need to know is what Jesus Christ said, because that's what you're accountable for. I always say salvation is you listen, obey the words of Jesus Christ, what he said. He said, believe in me. That's obeying Jesus Christ. You trust the character of the Father. And you allow yourself to be led by his Holy Spirit. That in totality is what encompasses or crystallizes salvation. But if you know what Jesus said, how can you obey him? Jesus is trying to communicate something to you. He has communicated something to you. Are you obeying? It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. So then that's weird because look, who's gone? 11. There's one gone, right? And that's Judas. So this is after Jesus Christ had been resurrected. This is before Paul or Matthias, the one who was kind of selected as a disciple after they cast lots. But at this point, there's only 11 of them. It says, then the 11 disciples went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. So Jesus told them to go to a very specific mountain. They had to obey. Obedience was key. Those people who didn't go to the mountain didn't get what he said. So it says, when they saw him, look at this, when who, the 11, saw him, they worshipped him. They fell on their knees and they said, Lord, 
master, but this is interesting. But, but, some doubt. Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead, and they're looking in his face. But there's still some people that doubt. Some of us say, oh, if I only saw Jesus, everything will be okay. Some doubt it. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ was given this authority after his resurrection. Jesus Christ was given this authority after his obedience. And now he's been sent again by God to communicate for the next 40 days the message of the kingdom. And then he's taken on to heaven. And one of the things he says is this, to conclude verses 19 and 20. It says, go therefore and what? This is what Jesus is commanding. This is what Jesus is telling them to do. Go and make disciples. Simon says, go and make disciples. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. I can stop the service right there. Because that's the point. People wonder, what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? What's my calling? Go make disciples. Jesus was clear. Go and make disciples and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach him to observe all things I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is one point here I want to get before I jump out of the scripture. Because we always focus on whether he's talking about baptizing or teaching or observing. But, but this is something you got to get. He says, go. But then in the end, he says, I am with you. But you got to look harder at the text, at the syntax, how it's put together. Because the way it's implied there, what's explicitly stated is that Jesus is only with those people that go. Go and make disciples. I'm with you. If you're not going, is he with you? Now, I'm not saying you're not indwelt with him. Go back to Mark. He says, and Jesus was working with him, the Holy Spirit, doing all these great miracles as they were making disciples. A lot of times we're we're trying to figure out, where is God? He's making disciples. Jesus right now, the Holy Spirit is out there with those people who are surrendering their will to his and making disciples. That's the heart of this church. The heart of this church is provides you opportunity to become a disciple and also to make disciples. Because when you get to heaven, you're accountable for this. Did you make disciples? He was clear. Jesus said to make disciples. Are you making disciples? Have you ever made a disciple? There are people who will go to church all their life and never even consider that they should make disciples. But that's what he asks us all to do. It's unequivocal. If you are a disciple, if you're a child of God, you have a mandate to make disciples or to make students of Jesus. That's basically what discipleship is. Are you making people who study Jesus or pupils? Are they learning about Christ? And if you're not learning about him, how can you teach other people to learn about him too? Disciples make disciples. The church is supposed to be like a virus. 
We're supposed to multiply. I know. No one's sick right now because it's summertime. That's all good. But when the wintertime comes, we're going to get that little hand sanitizer out because viruses start spreading. We have half the church gone because half of them are sick and the other half are gone because other, you touch the other, you hug them. It's my fault. I make you hug and now you get sick, right? But that's the point. We're to multiply, to grow, to make disciples so they make disciples. And what's the point of discipleship? To make disciples. So they make other disciples. That's the church. That's the call to our people. I love to say, man, it's about you becoming a great lawyer or doctor or counselor or educator. Those days are great, but God has given you that platform so you can make other disciples. You have a house, a great big house, nice homes. Those homes are designed for you to bring people in to make disciples. Why did God give me these gifts and talents so that you could make disciples? All these things that you've been given, gifts, talents, and even aspirations, ambitions, should be focused on doing one thing, and that's making disciples for Jesus Christ. There's a mandate, a commission we've been given to go out and make disciples, and he was clear. But what about marriage? That's a part of it. Having kids, that's a part of it. That's the good thing about being mothers. My wife, she's constantly in her mind talking about how do I be a good disciple maker? My wife thinks, I have 18 years to disciple these little boys, so they're faithful followers of Jesus Christ all the days of her life. That was the beauty of the ancient Jewish family. The kids would stay with their mom for the first 13 years, and they would live and understand life from the perspective of their mothers. They would be the disciple makers in the home. Discipleship is what this is about, making good students. I want you to be a teacher's pet. Yes, you can do that to Jesus. Brown nose Jesus. Bring Jesus apples. Learn about Jesus because that's what this is about. I got a couple points and I'm done for the day. Jesus was clear communicating his will to the church. It's not ambiguous. You can watch a a movie and get confused about the plot and the outcome. I watched a basketball game one time and scratched my head. What happened? We watched Infinity Wars. We walked out like, what just happened? What did I just watch? Maybe you watch Inception. You're like, what what level am I on right now? I I don't know what movie you watched, but this is not confusing. Jesus said, go make disciples. Just make one. Because in the end, he's going to ask you, did you make any disciples? No one's going to say, God, I didn't know I was supposed to make disciples. He said, I gave you one command. Oh. So I went, to a, I went to an event uh, a month ago, and um, I had one thing to do. This is so I could talk more clearly. Um, I was supposed to introduce the next singer at a gospel concert. I had one thing to do. Right? <laughs> So I went up there, and I was like, okay, I'm preparing. What I had to, like, exhort, right? So my whole week, I've been focused on what to say. So I'm, I get up there. Right before I get up there, a young lady starts singing a song about the oceans, the, the worship song, Oceans, right? And I'm like, oh, and I just came back from Israel. So I'm like, oh, it's a great time for me to tell the story of how when it was raining, and, the, and I prayed, and it stopped raining, and the rainbow, I'm like, oh, God's going to get blessed and honored. So I get up there, and I'm in this God. So where people are, like, shouting. Everybody else that are up there listening to me, and they're like, what is, what's going on? The girl plays the ocean song. I'm like, oh, yes, they're going to get it. It's great. It's coming together. The Holy Spirit's moving. I get up there, tell the story. I'm like, oh, praise God. And then I walk off the stage. 
and I didn't even introduce the people who came up after me, which was the only reason I was there for. I had one thing to do, and I blew that one thing, right? I will never be invited back there again. So we have one thing to do, make disciples. A lot of us are like me. We're going to prepare. Oh, they're going to get this. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to like, yeah, the people love Jesus. But you got to introduce the next group, bro. That's why you're there. I'm walking off. People looking at me like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know. <laughs> I blew it. I blew it. One thing to do. Go make disciples. We are all going to be held accountable to Jesus' command. Every one of us. Now, I'm not telling you where you are in the process line. Maybe we start a kind of like Henry Ford did, assembly line of how we make disciples. Who knows? We're a discipleship-making church. That's what our goal is, to be a discipleship-making church. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we try to get other people to learn how to do Bible study. Our goal is to help you to become a discipler. Why? Because I believe one day we're going to all stand in front of Jesus. He's going to ask us, did you obey me? So go with Jesus. Make disciples of nations, baptize nations, and teach nations to observe all of Jesus' command. You know the awesome thing about being in Minneapolis, Minnesota areas? There are so many different people groups that live here. We don't have to spend all that money to go over to Zimbabwe, Sudan, Ethiopia, Somalia, because they're down the street. Liberia, they're here. We can obey Jesus and not even go 50 miles. If anybody has a great opportunity to obey the Great Commission, it's us. Do it so that we'll be with Jesus. What I mean is Jesus is going out there doing stuff right now. Jesus is on the road winning souls, making disciples. Some people want to see Jesus' power working in their lives. Go make disciples. You'll see Jesus' power manifest itself. Jesus is doing work right now. He's working hard. Are you working with him? The Bible calls us co-laborers. That means we work with Jesus. We have an awesome opportunity, honor to work with Jesus. When he's really doing all the work, the Holy Spirit, all we do is just go and yield and let him do what only he can do. So let's can, we conclude. Simon says it's easy to play, and so is obeying Jesus. Remember, Jesus is out there making disciples. He's not sitting idle at home. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your church. Thank you for this day, Lord God. I pray we hear your word and we go make disciples. I pray, Lord God, we have a heart to, 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 oh, help me, to strategically plan and process your command so it becomes the mission and focus of our lives, Lord. Lord, help us not get distracted or be entertained, Lord God, by whatever is trying to stand in between us and your commandments for our lives, Lord. Help us be a loving people, a good people, a kind group of people. Help us as a church body love one another so the world may know that we are your disciples. Help us fulfill this commission, Lord God, this mandate, this calling on our lives, and help us do it for your greater glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.